Hello, I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The, the Nonprofit, Nonprofit Reframe. Together, Nia and I have over 30 years of nonprofit experience. We've worked the program side, the business side, and everything in between. We are reframing the nonprofit experience by challenging the status quo because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under resourced, and unrelenting. Welcome back. You know, what's funny is on the first episode that we record every week, we have better banter than on the second one because we just kind of go into it. Well, I was thinking the second one we do. So for all of you that don't know, we record two episodes at a time. Because it's so goddamn exhausting. (laughs) We couldn't do an episode a week. No way. No. Well, it takes us like two hours just to get in the right headspace. Before we even start. And then when we have to take breaks in the middle because I've just spit my water everywhere, it really messes things up. I feel like the second episodes are the better ones, though, because we're in the flow. We're in a flow, but we don't have banter at the beginning. Oh, well, here's some banter. (laughs) I, for some reason, I'm a little late to the game with the New Year resolutions, but I have given up sugar and alcohol. So I don't have my oatmeal cream pies or my rosé. So to be clear, you gave up sugar the day after both daughters started selling cookies. That's when you know you can do it. No. Yes. You're going to fail. You stare temptation (laughs) in the face. I'm an awful friend. You're going to (laughs) fail. 300 boxes. I know. You already tried to push some delicious chocolates on me. Because I know you show up to record and it's immediately like, do you have coffee? Do you have cookies? Do you have Tums? Which is why <laughs> Which is why I feel a little off my game today, but it's going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be great. The new normal. We'll fix it in post. <laughs> Just going to keep saying that. So what are we talking about today? We are starting our first, I'm sure, of many episodes on grants. Grants! And not the former president. Ah, yes. Um, well... I don't know about you, but we just came off of the longest month of the entire year, January, which is the only month of the year so far in 2020, (laughs) but it felt like it lasted three months. Because of the grants. Because of the grants. There were so many grants due, grant reports due. It's like it all converges at the beginning of the year as you're scrambling to get your end of year data together. Yes. Actually, I had a client who submitted a grant that was due January 15. The funder came back a week later, so January 22nd, and was like, we need your year-end financials. It's not even a month after year-end and you expect us to have financials done? Yeah, they do. Absolutely, (sighs) they do. Oh, it's awful. How much of our work load is determined by grants, by grantors. I have no idea. (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) I mean, they dictate what we're doing because they're making these crazy requests. So all of a sudden we have to drop everything in order to get them the information that they're asking for. True. Yes. It's a different dynamic than other donors, right? Like if somebody calls you up and is like, hey, can I have your year in financials? I'd be like, yeah, can you have them in like February, March when we have them finalized? And they'll be like, sure. Right. But I can't tell one of the largest family foundations in all of Colorado, no, because then they're just going to kick us and our $50,000 grant down the street. Exactly. 
Well, and also the fact that they all want something just a little bit different. Oh, so just a little bit different. So right when you think you have the information and you're like, oh, okay, now I can just bang out these reports. No, this one wants this skewed just a little bit. And this one just a little bit different demographic. It's crazy. What did somebody say? Oh, it's probably Boo because we love his We blog. love Boo. Yeah, we love Boo. Um, hashtag we love Boo. Um, <laughs> maybe if we get that going, he'll come on our podcast one day. <gasps> That's a great idea. <laughs> you also just blew out our mics. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, hashtag podcast goals. I can't do it. I can't can't stop. Okay. I just have to say, so Brittany and I met Vu like a year ago when this podcast was a a twinkle in our eye and we went up to get a picture with him and she told him about the podcast. Of course I did because then we had to make it happen. Because Vu was waiting for it. (laughs) He's already listening. We just don't even know. Um, Okay. Back up. Oh, that's what he was saying. Something to the effect of, you know, imagine if you were applying to 20 different jobs and you had to do a different cover letter for each one. And your resume needed to be formatted differently for every single one. And this one wanted your experience up front, but excluding certain experiences and other ones wanted your volunteer up front. But again, excluding certain things and highlighting others. It's maddening. Oh, it's awful. It's horrific. I'm also really loving the, like, super fun, unique questions they're asking lately. Um, One of my clients called me. Like what? One of my clients called me a few weeks ago uh, because she was really flabbergasted. And I I have to say, I I was along with her. Um, A funder wanting in a report their triple bottom line. I don't even know what that is. Because you texted that to me. You, (laughs) You asked me about that. And I think my reply was, what that? (laughs) <laughs> i have no idea well exactly it's something that's much more common in the for-profit world where you're trying to say like yeah we're gonna make money but we're also gonna like help the environment and help people we don't usually care about I like that the voice you're doing. <laughs> i use funny voices the angrier i get is apparently. that your sarcasm voice? i don't i don't know okay <laughs> it's almost like the the valley people in that snl skit where they like talk about the roads you have nothing. I have no idea. <laughs> I'm not even gonna Somebody do does. Somebody knows what you're talking about. Ben Armisen. They're, la- they're laughing Kristen really Wig. hard right now. Really hard. <laughs> we'll go with it. Keep okay, with okay. the voice. I don't remember. What, okay. So triple bottom line is more important in for-profits where they're trying to say that they're like helping all these things. But in nonprofits, like that's literally what we do. Is that their social impact? Yeah, that's part of it. I, we don't need to go into calculating it because it's a ridiculous question and should yeah. never be on a grant report. Yeah. And let's not try to reinforce it. No. Yeah. So we're not even going to talk about it anymore. No. Don't do it. The applications get more and more ridiculous because of character count. (sighs) For those of you who are unfamiliar, we are not talking about cartoon characters or anything lovely. We're talking about how one application will say you have 300 words or characters to describe your mission. The next one will say you have 200. The next one will say you have 3,000. Right. And every single time you're, you're like, what's the term? Uh, Robin Peter to pay Paul in character count. You're like, well, I haven't really gotten to talk about my volunteers. We can talk about them here in the financial narrative, right? (laughs) I have 50 characters I haven't used yet. What is it that we wanted to say back up here on page two of 72? Right. I know. Well, and so there's some funders that have 
tried to make the process easier and are moving towards video applications. <laughs> I have to say, I, I really love this because I think the sentiment is don't waste your time with lengthy narratives. Just grab a phone and talk about what you do. So it's meant to be like, I know we're thinking of a local funder who does this. It's meant to like reduce a lot of the work. I think in practice, that's not what happens, which is why I believe you hate it. <laughs> it's not that I hate it. First of all, if you're going to ask for a video, don't ask for a normal application. Well, they don't. They do. No, they don't. It's significantly pared down. It should just be a video. It should say, make a video. It's five minutes long and it needs to have these six things in it. Done. Period. I wish we were videoing this because your hand gestures just got so much more exaggerated. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is a total side note. But uh, my mom unfortunately just had um, carpal tunnel surgery. Uh -huh. And I asked, my dad went to be there for it. And I said, well, how's she doing? And he said, well, she can't move her hands, so she's afraid she can't talk anymore. <laughs> <laughs> So I must get it biologically. That's a good one. Yeah. Nice job, Dad. I know. It was a good burn. <laughs> um, so anyways, yes. And I think we just got done talking about burnout and working overtime. And I think and uh, people who are working in nonprofits who always want to go the extra mile and give 120%. And so I think that part of it for me, too, is if it is supposed to just be a video Literally, we're like a Facebook Live. Like you turn it on, you flip the screen, and you start talking for five minutes. Then that needs to be spelled out because otherwise, we put these ex and I'll take I'll mm. take accountability for it. We put these expectations on ourselves of like, oh, we need to create a really good video yeah. in five minutes, and so I end up learning iMovie <laughs> in a an Friday night on a Friday night. <laughs> In an hour as I'm scrambling to put this movie, yeah. this video together to submit. Well, I think that's part of it too, is there's this, I, I think because of the video aspect, it allows organizations to be like, well, if we make ours a little better, a little flashier, that gives us a leg up. Right. Which I think the funder who does this, I, and I, they're not the only ones, but they're the ones that I know we're both thinking of. <laughs> They have said, like, it is not about a flashy video. It's not about production quality. And yet as nonprofits, we're the ones taking it on and being like, this needs to be like this higher level. Because it's the Hunger Games. It's the Hunger Games. Yes. Yes. Bringing it back to Voo. <laughs> everything comes back to Voo. <laughs> Hashtag everything comes back to Voo. <laughs> okay. All of our listeners out there, flood Voo right now <laughs> with tweets, with Facebook posts. So maybe you'll actually listen to this episode. Exactly. <laughs> Nonprofit AF. That is his blog. <laughs> That's where you find him. Yes, exactly. So I see, I know. I know what they're getting at. And I, I applaud them for trying to shift mm -hmm. the um, requirements and shift the expectations. Yeah. I think that's great. And maybe it's just that we haven't come far enough yet. Yeah. And so it seems like added work now, but eventually if we can swing to that side where it's just a video, then it'll seem more manageable. Absolutely. I think you're totally right. I, I do remember one funder who would uh, say, just send us your last application that was for this program, general operation, whatever. Whoever you sent last, send us that. No way. And they would accept it. What? 
I loved that. Who are these aliens? <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, yeah, it's like, it's a funder unicorn because nobody does that. Nobody. But can you imagine? Do you, I think you know which funder this is. <laughs> do you know of the funder? I don't think they do it anymore, but they used to ask for a paper copy. <gasps> Colored paper? It's not doing but not just like one color paper. No. It was like four different color paper. Yes. Like your financials have to be on red and your narrative yes. has to be on green. And I'm what pretty the fuck? sure local nonprofits were keeping the colored paper industry in business because of this freaking grant. So now we're having to go to Office Depot yes. to buy colored paper just so we can apply for a grant. I remember actually one year I was on some like nonprofit email list of uh, directors and and somebody was like who has all the goddamn green paper we need it for this application and then I mean it started as this joke but then people were like okay I'm gonna buy the multi-pack who needs some and we're all sharing paper oh my gosh that's so sweet and so disgusting at the so same time sad. Uh, one year I uh, collated it wrong because you, you didn't get funded that year. Oh no, they made me come down to their office an hour and a half away and collate it there for them or no. not be considered. No. Yes. There okay, there's another funder. You might know who this is. <laughs> this is a good thing, but it's super random. I've never talked about this, I don't think. So it'll be funny if you know who it is. Who when they send their um their le award letter, uh -huh. it came with a feather. Yes! <laughs> this is fun. It's like uh, Funder Jeopardy. Yeah, exactly. This funder, da 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 What is the Blank Foundation? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that I really appreciated. I know. It was it was so sweet. And they did such a nice job. I mean, it's random as hell. Oh, well, but it was in line with their mission. I know. But they did such a nice job of truly celebrating their um, awardees. And not like in a... We're going to go to a stuffy breakfast kind of way. But like genuinely, we celebrate the work you do and appreciate it and thank you. Yeah. Oh, I loved them. I know. They were great. Mm -hmm. oh. What about stupid amounts? So, you know, the, the question that is really getting under my skin right now. Go for it. Tell me. How is this grant going to let you do something different? I, I just had this with a client. We were working on something and I was like. Are they funding an entirely new program? Well, I was like, I'm, I don't know how to explain how their $500 is going to let us do something different. And this is where the podcast is going to get us in trouble because I started like just banging away this angry email of like, it meant that we could buy extra toilet paper for the month. I know, seriously. Like, what, do, what do you think? Come on, people. Understand. And, well, and that's the line we have to walk, right? Always. Because... You can't make it sound like you don't need $500. Right. So you have to somehow make that $500 look like it is going to save your programming while at the same time not promising the world. Right. Because you won't deliver on it. And here is the power dynamic. I, this should be our theme. Every episode we're going to be like, identify the power dynamic. <laughs> oh, it's like a Where's Waldo. Yeah. <laughs> like people listen to the episode and then they're like, I know first person to call in and can say where the power dynamic is wins. <laughs> so here is where the power dynamic is, though. These funders who have an exaggerated 
sense of who they are and why they are important, the self-importance really, make nonprofits sit at their feet and grovel through horrific application processes, reporting requirements, site visits for pennies. I know. It's awful. And it feels awful. I I actually remember um, at one point when I was a development director going to my boss and saying, this, this application process for this one funder actually just makes me feel really sad. And they only give us $1,500. What if we didn't apply? The... Yeah, you have to do that. You have to ask those questions. Yeah. And they're scary as hell. Yeah. But you, at some point, have to analyze the cost of actually doing the application versus the money you would be receiving. Right. Not just like the time that goes into writing it, to gathering the stats, to doing all that, but just like, it makes me feel really awful. The way they ask questions, the way they treat us, the kinds of emails they get, they send us. This funder in particular... I remember sent this nasty email saying, we never got your report. And because of that, you're not going to be eligible for funding and just like really berated us. And then I had to like ever so kindly forward him the email that he had responded to with our report on it, where he had asked follow-up questions even. Like those dynamics, it it feels so awful. My stomach's turning as I'm telling that story right now. Oh, that's so yucky. Well, we were at a conference... Uh, last fall, and I... Were you and me? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that conference? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was okay. there, too. Okay, yeah. you were there. Yeah, yeah. And awesome. <laughs> I went to a session on evaluation. I don't think mm. you were there. No, I was not. And I thought it was really fascinating because the speaker, the presenter, was um, talking about how the metrics that grantors use and funders use to measure impact or measure success or measure triple bottom line, are not (laughs) adequate measurements of success. Yeah. And, I mean, we all know that. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody in the sector knows that. Especially when you're just dealing with outputs, you know. Like, how many individual people did you serve? And, oh, my gosh, we didn't serve that many this year because, God forbid, our program's actually working. Yeah. So now we have to say that we serve fewer people or whatever. I don't know. Okay. I (laughs) I digress. I digress. Um, But I really liked what she said. Uh, She said that funders should be asking, which some do, you know, what were your challenges this year? But not only what were your challenges, but how did you learn from them Mm -hmm. and then use those to improve your programming? Right. So really trying to measure are nonprofits adaptive. Right. You know, and and that is a better measurement. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Yeah. Oh, I, I totally agree. I, and this is actually, I think one of the issues we have as a sector where we hire grant writers or we put it under development people's jobs because they can sell the organization, but a huge portion of grant writing is actually evaluation. Right. And we, we saddle them with that. We ill-equip them really to do evaluation of our programs and to even analyze the data that's coming out of our programs. And yet they have to pass that on to the funders. It's really, really awful. I think that, that like, I I don't know how many sessions I've sat in with a funder who's requiring everybody to attend a logic model session and you walk out and half the folks are pulling out their hair because they're like, I, I don't know what this means. I don't understand outputs versus outcomes. All I know is that we have a really amazing program and I want people to fund it. Right. And I think the evaluation part is really important. Right. 
Um, but I think it's so specific to the program. Right. That you can't just have a blanket measurement tool that's used across the board. Right. Well, and here's where, you know, program staff working better with development staff would help that. Because Absolutely. hopefully you've got program staff who are not only skilled at evaluation, but utilizing it to actually improve programs year after year. But I, I had a second thing and it's gone. That's all right. It, you'll come back to it. You'll come back to it. <laughs> oh, I do remember. There yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. It came back. Okay. Funders who say, here are the outcomes we want. Now you report on that. Right. They're driving your programming. Right. And I understand that. Okay, you might, as a funder, say, here are our priorities. These are the things we want to impact, and here's the research we've done to show that this changes, you know, whatever we're doing. But that doesn't mean you've actually equipped the organizations to implement tools that will allow them to measure that. That will capture that information. Will capture that. I mean, there are so many funders who do that, and it drives me nuts. Oh, yeah, yeah, you go. (laughs) You just got so excited. You should say it. I just thought of something. I was... Just sucked all the air out of the room. Well, and how it affects your service delivery and goes, it can go against um, the values that you have in your service delivery. So, for example, I worked at a place one time and ooh, it was a government grant, mm-hmm. which, can we talk about government grants for oh, a second? Oh, please, yeah. I mean, ugh. how <laughs> the compliance that goes with them yeah. is a full-time job. Right. The strings attached, oh my gosh, they're overwhelming. Okay, I want you to hold your thought while I have my little soapbox for today. So here's the bullshit. We don't tax people enough in this country so that government can provide programming. So we assume nonprofits will do it with this blended government grant funding and then philanthropy. But then we expect them to operate like government entities. With not enough resources, without actually having the bureaucratic infrastructure that might support those things, and it's bullshit. Well, they actually expect us not to act like a government agency because they want us to do it on their timeline and (laughs) and to be on time. Because how many times have you waited and waited and waited and waited and waited and waited for a federal grant to be released? They're like, oh, it's going to be released at this date. And then you're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And it hasn't been released and no. hasn't been released and hasn't been released. And you know it's going to be this huge, monumental grant that it's right. going to take so much time and so much capacity. And so you're trying to change your workload yes. like, so that you're ready for it when it mm-hmm. hits. But then it doesn't hit. at the uh, Anyways, yes. So this government grant that we were going for all of a sudden, one year, decided that they wanted us to collect this information and we were working with a very vulnerable population Mm -hmm. and a very vulnerable population where our work was first and foremost about building relationships, Mm -hmm. trusting relationships. And they wanted us to gather this very personal information on the first encounter with those clients. We would never do. Mm-hmm. We would never ask those questions off the gate yeah. or off the bat. There mm-hmm. you go, off the bat. And But they were saying, no, you need to collect this data. Like, mm-hmm. So it was impacting our service delivery. Right. That's fucking ridiculous. Oh, it's awful. It's absolutely awful. This isn't to the same extent, but um, I worked for an organization. We would do these big statewide... Um, super nerdy things that of course I was involved with like debate and forensics and competition theater. Um, and we would apply for grants based on 
like larger bases of evidence. Like we knew that high schoolers who are involved in debate are more likely to be successful into adulthood. We know, you know, X percentage of Congress was once a debater. So it leads to elected official positions, blah, blah, blah. Although I don't know that that would be a great credential right now. <laughs> anyway. Um, but they wanted us to be collecting info at these tournaments and having been a competitor myself, I mean, you are so stressed in that moment. You're walking into a room, you've got judges ready to talk about all the things you did wrong you're also a high schooler, which is like just not an ideal time no, in anybody's life. And, and so we, we kind of pushed back and said, you know, we, we really can't, we can't ask them questions then, but can we do it in these other ways? And the funders said, said no. Like if we don't ask these students, all right, I know you're about to go do a big presentation, but can, can you answer a quick survey for me? Oh my gosh. Then we wouldn't get the funding. Like, again, why why are they trying to dictate how we do our service when, again, we had this great body of evidence saying it works? It's so backwards. Yeah. It's so backwards. So what are our takeaways? Well, I have a whole bunch of takeaways for funders out there. But uh, <laughs> How some, many do you think are listening? <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think many of them are listening right now, which is great. Maybe so, one day. Maybe one day. Um, I, I think right now I just want to give a big hug. To all the grant writers out there, to all the nonprofit folks dealing with funders, like you got all the Nia love right now because it's shit. Yeah, we see you. It's hard. Hopefully you survived January um, because that is the worst month. And, you know, we've got these ups and downs. So I'll give you another hug in July when you survive that. <laughs> and this is also just a reminder to all the other nonprofit staff that work with the grant writers or the development directors doing mm -hmm. the grant writing to recognize some of this bullshit that yeah. they're dealing with. They don't want to ask you for these stupid stats. They really don't. No. And they don't also want to create outcomes for your program. No, no. Well, we're going to do a whole uh, session on, or session, podcast. <laughs> therapy session. <laughs> a whole therapy session on program staff and fundraising staff coming together. Yeah. And I think a big part of that come, a good place for that to happen is around evaluation and grants. When we can bring the science together in this specific space, it's just going to help everybody. Yeah. All right. Well, that, that wraps up this week's. Yeah. Um, hopefully it actually came through. I know we got a little animated and popped the mic a few times, but that just shows how with you we are right now. And if you're with us, follow us, subscribe. We're on all the socials. You can email us, nonprofitreframe at gmail.com. And as always, support your local nonprofits. Please give and give generously. We would like to thank our sponsors. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based nonprofit consulting firm focusing on fundraising and board governance. You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com. And Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thank you so much.